Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Sigh. <laughs> they, they got beat by a better team tonight, Bruce. They really did. Vegas Golden Knights win the series, 5-2 victory of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I was at the game. Um, my friend Gord Wasik took me. Thanks, Gord. It was exciting to be there. Um, but man, you, that were, was... you were on TV, real close up. I heard about you that. and one other person, which may well have been Gord or might have no, been it wasn't sitting Gord. on the other side of you. Yeah, uh, with about seven minutes to go in the third period. So. It was a very lifeless crowd tonight, Bruce. There wasn't a lot to cheer about, and I'll tell you what, the owners did not like. One of the things that get the crowd going is some physical play. Mm-hmm. And um, there wasn't much. The Oilers started to get it going a little bit when they got down by a goal in the in mm-hmm. the second period. But other than the, the start of the game where they showed some life, and then they they start coming on when they're down, of course. But man, mm-hmm. in that in that period, in that little middle period between um, then, Vegas just took over that game. Um, at least in the second period, I guess they're. Yep. First period, there's some chances for the Oilers. Maybe they would have, if they could have scored it. You know, they might have got lucky and got a goal. They they came close a few times, but anyway, I'm rambling. Let's. Um, we're gonna do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, Bruce. What's your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go with the two-one goal scored by Edmonton at the two forty-three mark of the game, when they scored their last goal of the season. Uh, but boy, it was a nice goal, and it was a a beautiful um, a three-way play uh, involving their um, third line, uh, in theory, checking line. In practice, they seem to play against bottom lines and dominate possession and not very often score, but they scored here, and it was a terrific play all around from Warren Fogle, who... Uh, uh, started and finished the play. He started it with a dump in from uh, from center ice. Took a hit right after, which should have slowed him up on his subsequent arrival in the zone. Uh, but his dump in was put into a good spot, and Ryan McLeod just outraced everybody to it. He was on it. Uh, he made a, a small, smart pass to reverse the puck to Derek Ryan, who was going in the opposite direction. Like he took checkers with him and gave it back to Ryan. And Ryan uh, did what he does, made another small, smart play with a quick backhand pass out the short side. And here is Warren Fogle coming charging up the wing and slams it home into the top corner. And really all three guys could not have played that any better than they did and a well-deserved goal for the Oilers. It was a fantastic goal. And, um, you know, Vegas, of course, scored 30 seconds into the game on just such a weird play. You know, Skinner screwed it up um, with his turnover there, is the truth. And then was it Eckholm who put it into the middle of the ice? Yeah, he tried to pass it to Bouchard, was what the commentators thought. That's kind of what I thought, but he missed him. He sure Put it did. right on the tape with a goal scorer, Riley Smith, unassisted at 24 seconds of the first period. The crowd oh. was roaring, let's go Oilers, one second, and the next second, you 
could hear a pin drop in that place other than the Vegas players celebrating the goal. And for much of the rest of the, rest of the night in the building, Bruce, like it was just mm-hmm. hard to get the crowd going mm-hmm. at any other time. Like, I mean, those are the only two goals. Um, oh. You know, McDavid comes back and scores a fantastic goal a second later. Like it's mm-hmm. just... Um, and they're back in it, and it's like, and then you know the goal that you're singling out, fantastic pass by Ryan, mm-hmm. and finished by Fogel. That was pretty it's much already, it. Already two one three minutes in, and they, you know, the first period I thought was pretty good back and forth, but Edmonton was the better team and deserved the lead at the end of the opening twenty, and then they completely fell apart in the second period again. Yeah. The, the grade A shots, by the way, were 19 to 11 for the Oilers with mm-hmm. 11 to 5 for 5 alarm shots, a subset of wow. uh, the most dangerous shots. But that's heavily influenced by score effects. And um, one power, one, well, they had two power plays, I guess, one really short one. The one mm-hmm. power play they had was. Um, no short one because they, they all three penalties overlapped there. So Vegas had a five on four, then it became a four on four, and then it became a four on three. So Vegas had the first and the last power play, which together added up to two minutes for them and zero for Edmonton. I'll have to go over it because you have one at like 420 that's marked as a power play one, but I'm not. Well, that was that was the one 420. Oh, then I marked it wrong. That's even strength. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry. Okay. No problem. No. Uh, anyway, I one, just think a lot. One power play. The, the one power play had five um, shot, grade A shots, mm-hmm. four or five alarm shots, and they couldn't score. And that was yep. their only power play. Yeah. Despite yeah, a number of. Saw uh, the power error their way and even give them a chance. So that was that for that. Yeah. Despite a number sour, of fouls. I got to say, pretty uh, sour at the overall state of NHL officiating on, on the ice. And from the front office, Department of Player Safety, I think they've done an abysmal job. And a lot of Edmonton fans are pretty sour at how many decisions went against the Oilers in this series. And it's going to sound like whining, but you know what? A hell of a lot of decisions went against the Oilers in this series. Yeah, the Peter Angelo suspension, especially. That's shouldn't have been playing tonight. No, that was ridiculous. And there's just no other way to to, um, to sugarcoat that. It's It was... Um, Shameful disregard for the safety of Leon Dreisaitl, who frankly didn't look the same to me after that slash in retro. Like he, I don't know if if he was affected by it or not, but he sure didn't look the same. He didn't play with the same kind of pop after that. So um, in any case, yeah, uh, my good thing, Bruce, is um, Evan Bouchard. Mm-hmm. And he played 31 minutes. Yeah. And uh, he was out there in the third period. They just kept throwing him out on the ice. Throwing, you know, they needed two goals, right? He's there. And, uh, you know, to give Vegas credit, they really shut him down from taking shots at the point. But I thought Bouchard was just, just uh, played a really smart, solid game moving the puck. Uh, he was a very dangerous oiler on the ice all night long. And um, held his own defensively. Um, I... Um, he he just kind of stepped up. He and Ekholm really stepped up in this game, and uh, looks played strong hockey. And um, I know okay. Nurse is getting a fair amount of criticism. I also I thought Darnell Nurse was actually okay too. Like I know mm-hmm. he's getting blasted. Probably he was on the ice for a lot of goals against, and and he did make smaller 
errors on some of those goals against, but I don't think he was the primary culprit on them. Um, and um, anyway, Bouchard, I thought, showed his class. In, in Again, in the playoffs, he did it again. He did it last year. He's done it again this year. Um, they should lock that guy up as long as they can. I don't know if they can afford to do it, but if, if they can, That's then the do it. Yeah. He played 12-56 in the third period. Yeah. Yeah. They, they benched a Harney and they were just, and, and sometimes they put them, they double shift them. They they switched off Nurse and Eckholm once and Bouchard stayed out there. You know, he, he does play in the rocking chair. Like, so he's not, if it's not in the Oilers' end, it's not like he's um, hustling around like crazy usually. But um, he may just, Endless nice little plays with the puck. And a lot of it, like I know a lot of people might be frustrated he didn't shoot more, but um, he doesn't want to get his shot blocked. And he doesn't want them, you know, you block a shot, then you're go- you're coming down the other end on a two-on-one or a breakaway sometimes. So he, I thought he handled it pretty smart and was laying the puck off smartly and shooting when he had the opportunity. Well, he had 12 shot attempts uh, to surely lead both teams. And he had uh, eight of them blocked. There you go. Eight, eight of them blocked. Yeah, three, that was three were on net. A couple that were tipped on their way on net. That he shot them to be tipped. So he was certainly trying to get shots through. But Vegas, this is the untold story of the statistics, is how much Vegas. Uh, I mean, they blocked twenty-eight shots to fourteen tonight. There you go. And they were, you know, they were constantly you know, collapsing to the net front and saying, you know, try and get a shot through all six of us. And unlike um, uh, good old uh, uh, Nicholas Haig, who basically scored a goal by shooting it through, well, four Oilers on one shooting lane last game, but that didn't happen for, uh, the Oilers just weren't getting shots through. When they were, you know, the... The um, Vegas goalie was making the save. That's the concept. That was a tough loss, that game five loss, Bruce. Like, yeah. it was a weird loss and a very mm-hmm. tough loss. Okay. And um, this this was, I think, more dominant performance from Vegas. Um, that game, though. Yeah. Anyway, that's what happens. It's the playoffs. Um, so um, that's my good thing. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, well, it's got to come down to the net mining, David, and frankly, the decision-making behind it. So uh, I'm going to lay off a good portion of my bad thing on head coach Jay Woodcroft. I'm a big fan of Woodcroft, and I think he's sort of a good next-generation coach. But for the life of me, I can't explain why he started Stuart Skinner in 12 out of 12 playoff games this year. Uh and this in a playoff season where Skinner ended up with a save percentage of 875 and Jack Campbell in four relief appearances was 961. He gave up two goals in like almost 120 minutes of action. And yet it was like Skinner had earned the job in the regular season and therefore he's the number one. And to me, Skinner may have earned the job in the regular season, but he did not earn the continued job in the playoffs because he did not play well enough. He got pulled in three out of the last four games. Once he got pulled in game five, to me, and Campbell played, came in and played well again, 
at this point, I'm going, well, you got the 5 million guy that you brought in for games like this. Maybe it's time you could see because the rookie is clearly having a lot of trouble out here. And, uh, and he went right back to him and then once again was forced to pull him after the second period. Well, that happened three times in the series. And all three times, Vegas had four goals by the time that Campbell came in to mop up. And all three times, Edmonton couldn't get to four goals on the game. So, you know, even though Skinner played the third period in none of those games, he wound up being uh, uh, the losing goalie in each of them because the Oilers in 60 minutes couldn't score more goals than Skinner would allow in 30 or 35 or 40. And, I mean, I hate to point the finger at the guy, but he lost his game. David, his rebound control in this game was nothing short of atrocious. His puck handling in the last couple of games, not good at all, and led directly to, uh, well, a Vegas goal, goal tonight. And uh, I think one of the mistakes the other game was sort of an early outlier of what became a goal. And it just, you know, he lost his game, and, and whether you can say the pressure got to him or, you know, the particular teams he was playing got to him, I don't know what to say. What all I can say is that he was the, uh, you know, the difference in goaltending in this series against the two Vegas guys who were their number two and number three goalies on Vegas. It's not like they, you know, they got goalied by uh, Connor Hellebuck <clears throat> like they did in 2021. I mean, they got they got goalied by Aiden Hill, who was a backup on Arizona before he was a backup in, uh, you know, sort of a extra depth goalie in in. Uh, in Vegas, and here he is coming in on the playoffs because all of the other guys are hurt, including Robin Lehner, and the Oilers could not take advantage. He posted a 9.34 in this series, and Skinner, well, in the series, Skinner was 8.75. I think <clears throat> I mentioned that number earlier. I think on the playoffs he was a little better than that, like 8.80, but not 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 good at all. And yeah, I so I um, I agreed with Woodcross' decision to start him. Mm-hmm. And I think it has more to do with Campbell, um, just how terrible he was, generally speaking, in the regular season. Didn't give a lot of confidence. Then when he came into the games, um, the, the, how many games was he in? Three or four? Is tonight his Three fourth? games in this series and one in the first series. So the he first won. Remember, he the, came in down three. Three games in this series. Game. Okay. The first... Two times that he came in, he looked really shaky to me, even even though he got the job done. Um, so I wasn't getting a lot of confidence from that. That said, the last time he was in, he looked good. He looked steady and confident. But I just think um, the coach was thinking, can we trust him? And um, the answer, I don't think the answer, they just didn't trust him with the start. And I, I, I thought it was the right call. Um, at the time, I was obviously wrong, and Woodcroft was obviously incorrect as well. I mean, Skinner uh, turns over the puck early on. When Campbell came in, he looked sharp again, and um, yeah, I just think what they were trying to do, Bruce, was send like the message is we're better than this Vegas team. We're not going to make wholesale changes. We're going to go with the same thing, and we're that we are a confident excellent hockey team we're going to play our game and we're going to win the game that's the mindset going into the game so that's why they partly why they go with skinner plus the fact that campbell was just so shaky all year long and you put him in there and he lets in a a jack campbell goal like he let in all year year long and that ain't great so i i think that that was the decision and and um as i say i was wrong and certainly the coach was wrong 
Coach was wrong. Yeah, I I would have started Campbell. Like after the after game three, I was fine with him putting back in game four, but when he got beaten again in game five, which was also a game decided by to me goalieing, um, yeah, that that would have been the time when Campbell came in for a third time and did a strong job in relief. Then now's the time. I mean, you're saying he's shaky. You got four more years in this contract. You're not going to trust the guy after three good games in, in playoffs, <clears throat> you know, mop up jobs. But more, I mean, at a certain point, you got to say, well, the other guy's not getting it done. You got to give him a shot. And they didn't. And here's something for you, David. This is uh, Jack Campbell's career numbers against Vegas Golden Knights. Six games played, five wins, one loss. 956 save percentage, 165 goals against average. And you're not going to give that guy even one start in the series? I thought, to me, that's a fail by the coach. Brings me uh, no pleasure, but it's a fail by the coach. Yeah. Well, I've got another one, Bruce, which is my bad thing. It's pick on Jay Woodcroft night. But I think it's <laughs> a, I think um, this is something that I've been raising all year. Mm-hmm. The oil, Oilers' inability to develop a checking line, or at least trust in a checking line. I think they actually have a good checking line in Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle, and Ryan McLeod. They developed it. They got it. They got it going on. And even though McLeod can be a little erratic, um, I think that's your checking line. And if you use that checking line against the other team's top line, then you can throw your best players against um, the rest of the Golden Knights or the rest of the opposition team. It's not what Jake Woodcroft's done all year, though. He had, you know. He, he just he just has consistently and, and you know there there's this theory that your best players must learn to be better than the best players on the other team. Well, tonight they threw Leon Dreisaitl, uh, who's been a fantastic scoring um, player in the playoffs, and Nugent Hopkins and um, Kyler Yamamoto, the dynamite line, against the Eichel line of Eichel, Marcheseau, and um, uh, Barbashev, and Bruce they got they got eaten alive, and. It's um, and it just wasn't surprising to me. Like I just thought, Leon is Leon. He plays defense in his idiosyncratic way. Um, Nugent Hopkins has been struggling all playoffs with even strength play. He's been leaking chances against. He hasn't been creating much. Yamamoto, he's had a, he's he's been up and down in the playoffs. He he can get overwhelmed with the physical play. Why are you playing probably your your least effective defensive line? Not maybe other than the fourth line against their best line. What is the thinking there? Why don't you put the why don't you put Ryan McLeod and Fogel against Eichel's line and just have them try to saw it off? And um sure enough now they, they did create two great A chances, the Nugent Hopkins dry settle and Yamamoto, but they gave up four and they gave up two goals. Um where a number of those players, first goal, dry settle, and Yamamoto are culpable. Second goal, dry settle, and Yamamoto again are culpable. And um, I don't know, Bruce. I just I don't get the thinking. I just uh, are che- have checking lines gone out gone out of vogue in the NHL. That's no longer what people do. Is it always strength against strength? Because um, and I just don't it, it like. What does he think these guys are going to do defensively? Like, why does he think they're going to come up with some kind of magic defensively against the best Vegas attacking line? What would he base that on? The coach. So I didn't like that. Well, he didn't want to have um, 
uh, Bugstad out against Michael because they got eaten alive earlier, and it was it was often it was Bugstad with Nugent Hopkins and yeah, and I'm not saying Bugstad, I'm saying yeah, yeah, I agree. McLeod, the McLeod line, it seemed like they got clean air and they ran with it, you know, and that they, they didn't have a specific assignment other than play well when they were out there and move the puck north, which they did a lot. So, and they had, you know, the best, certainly, possession numbers throughout their words. Leon had very weird numbers in this game. Uh, just looking at uh, shot attempts. When he was on the ice, 28-19 for Edmonton in 22 and a half minutes. Sounds pretty good. Well, he was 10-3 against Chandler Stevenson, 10-0 against William Carlson, 9-1 against Nicholas Roy, but wait for it, uh, 8-15 against Jack Eichel, 9-14 to Marcheseau and Barbashev. So specifically against those lines, they were chasing, and when they were playing anybody else, they weren't. No one has had the home ice advantage, so you would like to see the, some adjustments well, made. After those game. two goals, Bruce, in the second, that essentially mm-hmm. sink the Oilers kind of significantly, like they Boston. broke up. They didn't do that anymore. They broke up that line. They didn't use it anymore, and they put Dreisaitl with other players, usually mm-hmm. with McDavid and Kane. And so Woodcroft finally went away from it after they'd given up, given up two goals. In the second, anyway, I just, uh, I just, I, I think there's a better way to do it on the on this Oilers team, and that's to get a checking line, have that have that as their role, and see if that works for this team because um, didn't work out tonight, and I don't know if it's going to work out in the future um, mm-hmm. with this strategy. It is the strategy. I mean, clearly they want power against power. Yeah. And they expect um, to be able to win that battle, and maybe they're winning it on, uh, uh, you know, the statistical front. Like they had the majority of the shots and all of the other things. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, it's, uh, you know, they're not getting the, the finish and they're not getting the saves. So. You could say maybe Vegas had a few better chances than Edmonton did. Well, uh, I can think of ones where, you know, a bad rebound popped straight up in the air and came down and landed in the goal crease, and the guy standing on the edge of the crease had to tap it in from literally an inch outside the goal line. Yeah, that and, was that was Skinner. At the same time, Drysaddle and Nurse were both with Marcheseau on that play. And then Different suddenly they weren't out. with him anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. he was all alone. Exactly. He's all alone in front of the net, tapping it in the net. Well, where? Now, he cross-checked. Marshall so cross-checked Nurse. So that it was t- a tough play for Nurse because he gets cross-checked in the back. It pushes him forward. It hits Skinner on the shoulder. And then but Leon kind of skated on by. And on the first goal against, it's an outside shot. CC and Yamamoto, you know, somehow let this out, outside shot on net. And, and, um, Goes off. There's a very clever play through Nurse's legs, but you know Marshall scores because Leon is five feet away from him. There's no one covering him at all. And it was a it was a tough defensive play, right? Vegas mm-hmm. is moving. They are smart. You know, Nuge was with Marshall up high, and then he, there had to be a switch where Dreisaitl had to pick him up, and he just didn't do that. And that's why the guy's wide open. This is not an easy. I'm just. This is a very uh, clever attacking team in the offensive zone. They're they're big, fast, skilled, difficult, 
And I just think you need defensive aces, people who are totally committed to defense in order to stop that line tonight. And I think they might have had that line, but we they didn't utilize that line to try to shut down the Eichel line. So I believe it my point. Bruce, what is your number? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do similar to what I did last game, and that's kind of but this is an even more extreme example. Remember, I was reading off all the shot shares and stuff, and it was all 53% all the way across, 53% Edmonton. They wound up with 43% mm-hmm. of the goals. Well, tonight, <laughs> 65% of the shot attempts, 65% of the unblocked shot attempts, 65% of the uh, uh, shots on goal. And they had... Uh, 62% of scoring chances, 68% of high danger chances, 65% of expected goals. This is all natural stat trick. But our own measure of 19 to 11, that would be 63%. And 11 to 5 is what, 69%, pushing 70% somewhere right in there. Like consistently in the middle 60s, they, you know, by all the statistical measures that we have of that sort, uh, Edmonton dominated the game, and yet 28% of the bloody goals, two, four, five again. So I call it 33% <sighs> if you want to give up the empty, empty net goals. But you know, they, they, the Oilers controlled the, the puck for much of this game. They brought it hard. Some of it was driven by score effects, but much of it wasn't because Edmonton led this game, uh, you know, well into the second period. So it's not like they were trailing from the first minute and they were behind the whole rest of the way they caught up and went ahead and they stayed ahead for a while and then so if you were just say show me all these numbers and don't tell me the score and i'd say that team's going to win that game 80 percent of the time not just 65 percent because you know a two to one domination you you have to have a uh a, a real outliers in the goaltending numbers that basically at both ends of the sheet which is what we got they needed, like in the third period, Bruce, there was two fantastic chances right in a row. Um, yeah. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah, it was uh, McDavid set up Kane. And Kane he just needed to score on that mm-hmm. play. He, he needed to, to drain yeah. that. And he didn't. And then um, Nugent Hopkins, who I've been criticizing, but he did make just a fantastic pass to Ekholm in the slot. Yeah. And Ekholm... Um, you know, he's not the goal scorer that Kane is, but he, he came close to scoring. And when those two didn't go in, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I was still pretty hopeful. The orders can score in bunches. But they just, you know, Hill, Hill and then when you, like, so I was there live, and I'm, it's not as apparent, but when, it, when I went over, the, just when I got home, I went over the video, and, like, like, there was just so many close chances around the net where the orders just needed one bounce, just want the puck to go in the right direction at one point, especially on that power play. They just, you know, McDavid charging into the slot like that and um, Drysaddle coming close on a couple ones beside the net. It's just so close. But Hill was able to make those saves and Stuart Skinner was not. Um, he didn't have that kind of uh, goaltending. And mm-hmm. here we go, out of the playoffs again. Oh, finished the playoffs. Not out of the playoffs. Calgary was out of the playoffs. We were oh, in the playoffs. We're, the playoffs. We're just now out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Done with them. Uh, my number, Bruce, 
the sobering number of two and three. Two years left on Leon Dreisaitl's most excellent contract. Three years left on Connor McDavid's. Here we go. We'll see what happens. It's it's a you know it's an in, probably you know there's people who want to fire Kent Holland and Jay Woodcroft maybe even tonight, but um, they have assembled a pretty good team here, and um, I I think you know let let's not get into what they need to do for next year. Let's save that for another another uh, time. But um, I am forward looking here, but it is the clock's ticking now, and uh, the clock is ticking. Um, they've got to, uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl will be up for a new contract next July 1st. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. They have brought in some good players in Kane, who was injured this year, and clearly not the same player that he was in the playoffs last year. Nuge is a very good hockey player who faded um, inexplicably and quite badly in the playoffs. Um, Ekholm is strong what a, what a pickup he was Evan Bouchard's coming on I, I think Darnell Nurse he's going to get some criticism right now but I, th- I think he's obviously a really strong hockey player um, there is a really strong group of players here but they they're going to need um, they're going to need a little bit more success in the playoffs I think if they're going to sign those guys long term is my feeling but we'll see about that um, but the, it's uh we're getting down to it here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the years are going by, David. The years are going by. And, you know, when the, when the Oilers, uh, in the original dynasty years, uh, they had uh, no years out of the playoffs. Uh, they had one year where they kind of surprised to get in. They got eliminated. The next year, they got success in the playoffs, uh, winning a round, a big round against Montreal. The next year, they had big success in the regular season and emerged as you know a, a constant threat. Uh, the fourth year, they made one run through the playoffs, only to fall in the finals. And then the next year, they won first place and the Stanley Cup uh, uh, convincingly. Whereas this team, it was, well, Start with all those years out of the playoffs, but since McDavid's arrival, let's focus there. Missed the playoffs once, made the playoffs once, and had a little playoff success. So that was kind of like the 81 for the Oilers. Then they missed the playoffs two more years. And the two more years, they got eliminated in the first round. And now two more years, they've been eliminated without having reached the Stanley Cup Finals. So, you know, gradual steps. Have been, it seems to take two years at each level before we get to the next level. The clock's ticking, boys. What I would say is there's one factor that needs to be, you know, the injuries to Andre Secker and Oscar Kleffbaum really set this franchise back. Like after 2017, if you have a healthy Andre Secker and a healthy Oscar Kleffbaum the next couple of years, the the history of this franchise is different. They're competing those years for the Stanley Cup and um, trying to get deep into the playoffs. They're making the playoffs for sure. I mean, Andre Secker... When he got hurt, he was just a fantastic hockey player. And um, Clefbaum, same He's thing. Better and better. Yeah. He was just getting better and better. He was such a fine hockey player. And so the only the uh, silver lining to that gray cloud was the Oilers had two crappy years, and they drafted Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg. Mm-hmm. So they have these two defensemen now 
who um, certainly Bouchard has already stepped up, but I think Philip Broberg will step up um, in a in a really. In, I think he's got all kinds of talent, especially you know as a it is a defensive defenseman. So um, high time was, he did, David. He was uh, he was Ken Holland's first draft choice in 2019, and he was a number eight overall. It's the highest pick that Holland's had in his time here, and he's had the most time to develop. And here we are, four seasons in, and he's still the seventh defenseman. He's still the guy sitting in the press box in the elimination game because they don't trust him yet. I mean, we keep saying, well, he's going to be he's what he's going to be. Well, he's got one year left on his ELC, and he desperately needs to make steps to move that along. Like this year, he's better than last year, but there's very incremental kind of baby steps, and clearly they don't trust him. To use them well, in big minutes or important minutes. It's just let's wedge him in here for a minute or two, a period as the seventh D man. When the game gets close, well, he can yeah, I see his, on the bench. And yeah, I see it's good. Nice progressing like Clefbaum's career, Bruce. It's very, it's mirroring Clefbaum's career to date. It was. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, he does, they, they are going to have to make a trade to open up a spot for him. And we'll see what, see if they do that or not. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So the orders, you're right. Like it's been very slow, <laughs> and these two injuries really did hurt. But um, you know they have some pretty good defensemen now at Ekholm, Bouchard, and Nurse. So um, we'll see what happens. Disappointing end to the <clears throat> season. I thought they were, I thought they would win the cup, Bruce. I thought. Um, they could do it this year, and uh, nope. Still the defense, David. Still, Still the defense. Issues behind their own blue line. They gave up four goals or more in all six games they lost in the playoffs. No, wait. Yeah. They lost one game 3-2 to L.A., but the other ones were 4-4-5-4. Four, four, four. <clears throat> yeah. You know, those games are going to happen occasionally, but, you know, when they happen four times in a six-game series, well, Paul shook the golf clubs. Still the defense, Bruce. Good point. Hmm. Alrighty. Alrighty. It's, you know... Um, Team defense. It was, Forest, it was, yeah. defense, and goalies. All of them. Coaching. Oh, all, all of them. Yeah, I mean, I just spent a whole podcast talking about a forward line. I mean, it's mainly I'm putting it on the coach. I just think he was asking too much of them. Coach shouldn't ask that of that line. You should just go out there and score, boys. Like, cover your own end. But, you know, you're not going to be asked to cover Jack Eichel. Okay, I'll shut up. Um, uh, anyway, Bruce, I just wanted to say this. Um, there, There is a, a tendency right now, like, to uh, charge around the battlefield and shoot the wounded. And, you know, savage players, savage the coaches, savage the GM. And I just think we should, you know, let's try to just criticize performances, decisions that went wrong, players, you know, players that didn't perform, you know, their play, pick on their play. Just, but keep it under wraps. This team was a hell of a hockey team. And uh, historic power play. Um Mm-hmm. They they um, were dominant for a long stretch in the second half of the season. They couldn't keep it up in the playoffs. That kind of dominance. They couldn't quite translate that into the playoffs. Well, they're gonna they're all gonna have to think about that yet again. 
why that happened. But I, I do follow what Ken Holland has said. Like the whole goal, you get to the playoffs and it's just about keep getting there, keep getting there, keep getting there. Give yourself another chance. Give yourself another chance. Give yourself another chance. He has been preaching this patience and he has improved the roster significantly since he's got got here. So um, it's still turning in the right, this, right direction. This is an increasingly veteran team, increasingly deep team, and some good young players coming up in Dylan Holloway and Raphael Lavoie uh, in uh, Philip Broberg. So um, let's see what happens next. Yeah, well, what happens next is we knuckle down for the summer. With a few postmortems, and then uh, we'll start looking ahead with uh, player by player who's got a future here, and uh, you know yes. probably we'll start with free agents like we typically do, and and look at each case, and away we go. We've been here before, David. And at least we made it through a couple of rounds of playoffs. I mean, for years, neighbors. For for years there, we were well, we made it to a couple of rounds of playoffs. Yeah, and so you know, there's obviously. Some big positives here, but the puzzle has not been completed yet. It's quite embittering in a lot of ways because it's wide open for winning the cup this year, it seems. It was just such a great opportunity for this particular team. Colorado they just out, couldn't get it done. Out, yeah. Yeah. And, and still... again, such weird loss in great game five, right? Like if they could just figure out how to win that game, all these weird goals against outside shots. Like you mentioned, whatever his name, that big clod on Vegas, Haig. Hey, scoring from outside. He's a good player, actually. He is good. He's he's a good they're player. Third pairing with. Yeah, know. he's a really good. He's good. And they are and, a deep team, and they're you know. Yeah, and then Eichel's goal where he bumps into Skinner, and you know, like these two out shots, outside shots, and it's like, and then a stupid penalty against Broberg. Like that was the really frustrating game that the Oilers needed to win. They didn't win it, and it was going to be the balanced suspensions. Yeah, and to give and to give Vegas and their fans credit, like they mm-hmm. said, this is a deep, hard forechecking, aggressive team, and they really are. They really were the better team this series. Hate to say it, but they were. You know, other than the power play, Vegas was the better team. They dominated. To me, they just they could turn it on at even strength in the way the Oilers couldn't. They could defend at even strength. Fifteen goals to nine at even strength. There you go. And this, despite you know Edmonton controlling play again. I mean. You can go there, but it you know it doesn't mean anything in the end if you don't control the 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 big score clock. All the little ones don't really mean a whole hell of a lot. Indeed. All right, you got the game grades. I got the game grades, and I'm going to try and take your advice not to unload on the individual players. If this was a middle of the season game, there'd be some some uh, uh, gnashing of teeth going on, but. Uh, there's no point. I mean, they played their hardest. They gave what they had, you know, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, yeah keep it clinical. You know, we we mm-hmm. did unload. Yeah. I did. Certainly yeah. No, no. I, mean, I unloaded on Woodcroft tonight. But, you know, yeah, we've so done over I, here mm-hmm. without saying much but complimentary yeah. things about Jay Woodcroft. So I just think this is right, this so. may be a moment for him to think mm-hmm. about his, his strategy and see where it goes from there. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.